What are the ceilings and what are the floors of the 2023 Ole Miss football team? And also, baseball season is here. We'll tell you what we liked. We'll tell you what we didn't like right here. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in. Do want to let you know that LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions, of course, apply. Also, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, upvote, comment, all of that will make us happy. And of course, thank you for making us the Ole Miss Morning Show. We are appreciative of that. All right, the S&P Plus rankings for the preseason of 2023 came out, and Ole Miss was ranked in the top 20 of those rankings. All right, and that's not really a big deal, not anything to really talk about. We've already done a show about that, but they have since added ceilings and floors to team. And they put the ceiling for this Ole Miss football team at 9-3, and three, and they put their floor at 5-7. and seven. Now, there's a couple of things that I don't think they take into account because they're 100% due to numbers and analytics, and that is the Ole Miss-Auburn situation from last year, and that is a reason for why the season ended how it did. And it just is. Nobody can really argue anything different about that. When you were in the midst of a coaching search and there was – split time due between the thought process of your coach and another place, it hurt your team. It hurt every New Mexico State just like 50-burgered Liberty because of this coaching search. So everybody was affected. Ole Miss was no different. That affects the team, but it's not shown in the analytics because they view every game as exactly the same. A very sterile environment. Team rushed for this yard. They passed for this much. Their third down conversion was this. Their time of possession was that. So analytics can be deceiving, all right? So SEC S&P Plus puts Ole Miss's ceiling at 9-3. and three. My guess is, looking at that, they have chalked down analytical losses to Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. Just before the season starts, just put an L by the name. That is the way they look analytically. Now, I'm not saying that will happen. That's what they're saying that the probability is there for it to happen. Now, the ceiling and the floor comes to toss-up. There are five games on this schedule that you can just chalk up as a W. You know, Mercer, Tulane, Georgia Tech, Louisiana Monroe, and Vanderbilt probably in their eyes. So that's five W's and three L's. So that leaves four toss-up games. And to them, their toss-up games would be Mississippi State, Arkansas, Auburn, and... Texas A&M. So those will be the difference between an uber successful year to them and a disaster five and sevens because you have a $9 million coach finishing five and seven. There's going to be questions. You're going to take heat. This podcast will be all over you, but that isn't going to happen because they don't take into account the reason for what happened. When the analytical numbers can be skewed by outside sources that makes them appear. In my opinion, the over-under 
it puts a ceiling at about 10 and 2. Take that LSU game, that game's winnable. You, you can't chalk that up as a W, probability or not. You cannot chalk that up as a W for LSU. You also can't chalk it up as an L for Ole Miss because of the way teams are built and the way things are going to happen. I expect that game to be really interesting moving forward. Like I said, Brian Kelly's a good coach. They're going to get things going. They're going to be fine. But the end of the season cannot be just a look ahead to next year. The way college football is right now, people want to look at year to year. It isn't year to year anymore. It's the 2022 team, the 2023 team, the 2024 team. One is not inherently related to another. So if you look at this team individually and the pieces that they have, this is going to come down to quarterback play. I mean, I'm not really talking out of school there. It's going to come down to quarterback play. And if Jackson Dart or Spencer Sanders or Walker Howard plays well, that 9-3 and three becomes much more possible than the 5-7 and seven because of the talent that's on this team. This team built up a ton of talent last year. It went, it went to hell at the end of the season because of the Auburn stuff. It's not because of the loss to Alabama. It's because of the Auburn stuff. And that just fed on. Whenever you're dealing with a bunch of transfers and you're dealing with teams that are a little bit more fragile mentally, I mean teams, not people, teams. And that happens when you go in the transfer portal. An event like this can completely derail everything that's going on. They check out quicker. It's just the way it is. When things are going well, they're going really well, and they're going to be able to hit all the levels that they want to hit. But when things go bad enough to where they start checking out a little bit, and they did, all sources say that there was unrest between the team and the coaching staff over this Lane Kiffin situation during the season. That is going to affect the performance on the field. Almost lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State and were favored in both. They lost in Texas Tech and just didn't kick, punt the ball or kick field goals. Wasn't a situation where Texas Tech was immensely better or more talented. It was somebody that was playing like a nine-year-old playing Madden. There are reasons outside of a normal football team that you can look at and say, hey, this isn't really an apples-to-apples -apples comparison when you compare the Arkansas game to the Georgia Tech game. And it has nothing to do with the talent of the opponent. It was just two different teams playing that day. So, when you look at the ceilings of this Ole Miss team, like I said, I put them at about 10 wins. 10 wins is possible. Because I do think they're going to get one of Alabama and LSU. I do not know which one. I think they can get one of Alabama and LSU. I do not think they can beat Georgia. The only direct L on the schedule, in my opinion, going into the 2023 season are the Georgia Bulldogs. You play them away. Alabama, you get them early with a new quarterback, new coordinators. That's the time you have the best opportunity to get them. The best player in college football on offense, the best player in college football on defense, gone. This is the time to get them. Not saying you're going to beat them. I'm saying the opportunity will be there. But this is the same team that almost had a ball in the air the year before with a chance to beat them. Not saying they're gettable. I've I've seen Deuce McAllister and Eli Manning roll over there with significantly better teams and get rolled. But 
this is a game that should not be over before the kickoff unless they allow it to be. Georgia, you just have five stars everywhere. Todd Monken going to the NFL absolutely helps Ole Miss. I don't think it helps them enough. And LSU, I, I just don't think LSU is as good as their record was last year indicating. And I think this could be a year that maybe Jaden Daniels or the LSU Tigers come back a little bit to earth. I expect Texas A&M to be better. That's going to be a true toss-up. Um, Auburn's going to be a true toss-up because of the environment, not because of talent, not because of schematics, not because of any of that stuff, because Ole Miss is probably going to walk into a nighttime cauldron in that stadium. I think Ole Miss has a talent advantage over Mississippi State. I think Ole Miss has a talent advantage over Arkansas. With those things, so you're probably realistically looking at an 8-4, and four, but the ceiling would be 10-2 and two, and the four would probably be 6-6. Six and six. I, I, I don't think the Mississippi State game is completely losable at this point. I think so much weight is being on the close of the Ole Miss football season, and it'll be really interesting to see. Should be a lot of fun. Like I said, I love doing this, going through the schedule, ceilings and fours and all of this. It, it genuinely makes me happy to do it. And this is extensively um, an Ole Miss football podcast. But we're going to talk about basketball in the second segment, about Ole Miss dropping a game, Mississippi State in overtime, continuing the fact that they have not won a game in over a year in the pavilion. And in the third segment, we're going to talk about likes and dislikes from the first weekend of college baseball. Should be a lot of fun to talk about, but we'll see exactly what goes on. But right now, I do want to let you know that today's episode is, in fact, brought to you by LinkedIn. And as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. They have like 10% of the world's population on LinkedIn at the moment. LinkedIn makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. It's LinkedIn jobs. It helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions, of course, required. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Now you can check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. It has everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, Ole Miss dropped a game in overtime to the Mississippi State Bulldogs in the pavilion on Saturday continuing another downward trend for the basketball program. But that really necessarily in the story. It isn't the nuts and bolts of the story. They did have a celebration for the 10-year anniversary of the 2013 team. Uh, Marshall Henderson was there. Andy Kennedy spoke about it. Really good stuff. This was a game, though, that Ole Miss was down early. The run happened like we've seen every game this season. But Ole Miss was able to fight back in large part because of defense. 
wasn't quite enough at the very end of the game, the last minute of the game. It faltered a little bit. Mississippi State was able to tie it up. They won the game in overtime, ended up winning the game and sweeping the series in Oxford this year, really signifying probably the end of the road for Kermit Davis. And whenever you look at all the publications talking about coaches that are on the hot seat, the number one name that comes up is Kermit Davis. Everybody likely knows the score, what's going on. Keith Carter, heck, even assistant, um, even coaches from other teams realize what's going on. You get to say, hey, should I cast a wondering eye at that? Now, Richard Cross on Super Talk Mississippi went on a little bit of rant that says, Ole Miss is not hiring Chris Beard or Will Wade, period. And no qualifiers, nothing like that. Ole Miss is not hiring them. And that may be the case, okay? But we need to be real about this, and everybody needs to start being real about this. Whenever you want Ole Miss to be something abstract and mean something and carry something and doing something like that, then you end up in a cycle from time to time to where this happens. Kermit Davis is a heck of a guy. He's a really good human being on all accounts. He's great in the community. He's great on the team. He's a perfect ambassador as the head coach of a basketball team. The problem is he's not winning games. Now, if you look at Ole Miss's schedule moving forward, you can see that there's a chance this year that Ole Miss loses over 20 games in a college basketball season. Even the in the eras of Lee Hunt and Ed Murphy and those guys in the 80s, whenever S- Ole Miss basketball was really down, you didn't really have a situation where Ole Miss was losing over 20 games a year. It's a problem. It's over. It's, it is what it is. But I do appreciate Kermit being the person he is. I do appreciate him being a good guy. And it really kills me that a good guy does not finish first in this landscape. And and honestly, we are in a world, and everybody needs to prepare for this, that good guys don't necessarily win. David Cutcliffe, would, he, he would not be able to survive in today's college football. You see Kermit Davis. Mike Bianco is actually able to survive and do the things he needs to do, but that's also because there's not the attention that is put on college baseball by most places that is on college basketball and football. It's gotten to the point where nice guys finish last in college basketball. It just is. And it started with the movie that's going to come out telling the story about Michael Jordan and his Air Jordan shoes and how they came to be. Those shoe companies and those shoe contracts have completely changed over the last 30 years how we look at college basketball, even at the collegiate level. Now, can Ole Miss strike gold. If Ole Miss hires Dusty May or the coach at Wake Forest or something like that, can Ole Miss strike gold? Yes. You can absolutely luck out and get that. We've done that in the past. Even when Ole Miss hired Andy Kennedy, got it in the past. Whenever Ole Miss hired David Cutcliffe, Tommy Tuberville, got it in the past. They kind of lucked into assistant hires. Sometimes when you hire the assistant coach, you hire the guy that was actually the strength of that head coach's team to begin with. For instance, when Colorado hired Chris, um, not Chris Peterson, um, Dan Hawkins from Boise State, he did not win at Colorado, but Boise State kept plugging because they had Chris Peterson, who was the original star of that coaching staff. 
when Ole Miss hired Steve Sloan from Texas Tech. Everybody was excited because Ole Miss was getting a Texas Tech coach of a team that won several games. But the problem is he was not the star of that staff. That staff had Bill Parcells on it. Those guys became the star of that staff. They did not come to Ole Miss. Steve Sloan lasted four years and was gone. So you have to be really careful when you vet because just because somebody has had coach by their name does not mean that they are the person that you need to bring in. You have to be sure that they are the star. And one way you can do that is if they've done it in different staffs in different places at the time. If they've done it more than once, you can be fairly sure that they are a star of the staff and they should be worthy of your time. The problem is if you want to do the G5 dance and you want to dance with those guys, you don't know that because most of those haven't moved that much. They haven't done it enough to build the sample size where you can be sure, so it turns into a gamble. It turns into a game of craps. Sometimes you hit snake eyes. It just is what it is. Now, that is one reason why such a large segment of the fan base is starting to drift towards Chris Beard. We did a video Friday on Chris Beard, and we were expecting a ton of pushback. One comment pushing back out of the whole thing. Everything else was like, yes, hire this guy. Because A, they realized that in college basketball, nice guys finish last. And B, they're just not willing to cave to public opinion. Because we talked about the state of Mississippi and their view of outside opinions of what's going on. They have been talked down to and talked about for the better part of 150 years. They're used to it. Like I said, there are apparatuses in place to help honestly shield them from what's going on. So anything that happens on the outside, you'll be able to control it more than you would say at Arkansas. It just is what it is. So I am, the more it goes on, I'm becoming more and more Chris Beard. Like I said, I don't think Ole Miss is going to hire Chris Beard, but I am more more in favor of that. You can put the contract language in the um, in place that can, I don't know, legislate morality. But whenever you hear the stories on both sides and how dysfunctional it can be, I don't think it plays out exactly how it was presented to start with. I don't think it was um, it played out the way it did in the recant either, but I think it's somewhere in the middle. And if it's somewhere in the middle, if you look at that in both stories, you can kind of say, okay, it was an unfortunate situation, it was an accident, but was it criminal? Well, they didn't think so. So it's all a public opinion play. It just is as simple as that. And and like I said, we live in a ready, fire, aim society at the moment. All right, when we come back, I'm going to talk about things I liked and things I really didn't like about the opening weekend at Swayze Field in college baseball. Rebels took care of the Delaware Blue Hens. Um, Wins and losses don't really matter at this point of the season. But what you wanted to see was little things that kind of excited you. And we'll talk about those in just a second. Anyway, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar 
while maintaining amazing macros. Seriously, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 of protein. Really, really good stuff. And now, we've been telling you all the time to go to Built.com and put in the Locked On 15 and order it. Now, that's changed a little bit. You can go to Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a Built Bar. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box. That's right, 13 with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. It's no longer a situation to where you have to order from Built.com. Put in the promo code and like that. Now you can go scratch that itch right now. It's Built Bar. You will thank me later. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Um, so subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and, of course, upvote the video itself. We'd appreciate it very much. Hey, Ole Miss kind of took care of business. There's some good first impressions that were made over the weekend at Swayze Field with the opening of the baseball team. Hey, and if you look down below, you can see that this weekend – it gets real because after this weekend, the weekend series is basically all Big Ten. You have Maryland for a three-game set in Oxford next weekend. Then you go to Minnesota for a little tournament kind of situation to where you play Maryland again. You have Minnesota. You have um, Nebraska. And then you have a three-game set with the Purdue Bowler Makers. So it's all Big Ten after this. It's like all Big Ten play going into the opening SEC series against the Vanderbilt Commodores. So we have to get ready and get ready quickly because this, I have a feeling, is going to be a Vanderbilt team that is fairly special, and the SEC schedule is always a gauntlet. So if you look at the original like, Will Furness, first at bat, home run. Awesome like. Us, me and Derek Vandegriff have talked about this over and over and over again um, in his vid- baseball segments. Over the course, honestly, the last five months, he's been all over this podcast. First at bat, home run. Congratulations to Will Furness. Love that swing. Love that trot. Gave me flashbacks to Eddie Furness. It was a lot of fun. Dislikes. We're going to go back and forth on this one. A dislike that I have in the game was the batter's eye. Now, I understand that Ole Miss is expanding this because of something they noticed when they were building the band complex back below, um, back behind. They had to take down some trees that made some White Houses visible. That's problematic with the batter's eye, so they had to enlarge it. So at the last minute, they had to construct it. I was worried about graphics on it or things like that. Well, as it's done and as it is, they're just getting it completed as quickly as they can, hopefully by Vanderbilt or by the opening of SEC play um, that is completed. But that is the reason for that. But right now, it does look like a bit of an eyesore out there, and it, honestly, it was a shame for the Ole Miss situation. All right, another like that I have was the Ole Miss pitching. Um, Grayson Saunier, um, Hunter Elliott came out and really threw the ball really well. I think Delaware had, I don't know, what, six, seven hits between them. They, they played really good, uh, and everybody should be excited about those two as the first two in the pitching staff, everything goes well. It should be interesting to see as the season goes on. Now, last season, like 
the opening day starter was um, Derek Diamond, and then you had the kid from A&M Commerce, and guys that would have a role as the season went on, but the starting rotation completely changed midway through the season and was in large part due to the run that um, was responsible for the run that they went on. So, A, take the starters as good if these are entrenched, if these are going to be the guys. That gives you an opportunity to tinker, uh, you know, with Sunday from time to time, midweeks, seeing what you got um, in the bullpen to, uh, to figure out what's happening at closer. I mean, is Jack Doherty at closer and a luxury that you're going to be able to handle come the Texas A&M series. So we'll see exactly how that goes. But overall, the pitching was a major like for me. Dislike, I, I don't like where they put the national championship logo and what it looks like. It's not what it normally looks like. It's, a, it's honestly a two-tone version of it. If you were going to do that logo, that exact logo, I think it should replace the Ole Miss baseball logo that's behind the home plate because then it's always on camera. It is an advertising and recruiting point for your school. I think Ole Miss needs to use that better than they are. Just my opinion. You, you don't have to move it from the outfield. I just think they should put it behind the plate as well to where as many of these games are on TV and as many people are watching these games, that is a fact that you want to just make known as much as possible. If you put the Ole Miss baseball logo back there with the red and everything on there, there shouldn't be a reason not to put the national championship logo back there. I think anytime Ole Miss wins a national championship, it should be right there and lined up, and it should be on camera, and it should be a major marketing point of this program. I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake that can be rectified, though. Um, I, do, I would like to see people go down that road and campaign for that a little bit. Likes, I like the way the batting order looked. I mean, you had another multiple home run inning, which was very familiar from last year um, in the first game of, the, of, of that, that Will Furness, that one he went yard. I like um, Ethan Groff, um, Leger, like him. Um, Gonzalez, going to be fine. I mean, he's going to be fine. Everybody knows he is. Alderman looks like a little bit of a different player than he was last year, especially defensively in the outfield. Made a big play Friday night. Um, McCants over in right field, that gives you a little bit of flexibility, especially with Groff over in center. See, Chatnier just nails. Clarko, really, really like him at first base. He hit some big RBIs, and he was one that defeated the shift, and he looked like he did it intentionally. So I, that was pretty good by hitting the ball the other way. Hitting the ball the other way is kind of a lost skill, but if you can do it in the age of this shift, you can be all of a sudden instead of a 3 out of 10 Hitter, you can be a four out of ten hitter or even higher. It's 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 impressive, but Ole Miss had a relatively good weekend. Like we said, going into the weekend, this weekend was a celebration. This was the end of the celebration of winning the national championship. But now starts Tuesday night. We get to see who the midweek person is. Ole Miss needs to win their Tuesday games as many of them as possible but to get ready for that Maryland series. And you can see below, they're ranked 13th right now in D1 baseball. Um, Ole Miss is fourth. We don't, we have, the new poll hasn't come out yet um, at the time of recording. It could change a little bit, but as of right now, it's that. But Maryland's coming in good team. They have a shortstop that's very highly rated. They have a catcher that's very highly rated. If you look at it, they're built similarly to Ole Miss. 
Maryland just missed out on Omaha last year. They're cl- they were right there. So this will be a big game. This is a series that Ole Miss needs to take from Maryland. Two out of three. That should be the goal on this one. Just a simple SEC formula at home. Two out of three. And then you have the game on Friday, win that again. Like, I, I'm happy with them putting Hunter Elliott up against anybody. Sonia, yes. I'm interested to see um, how Xavier Revis, how he will move up to that level. So we'll see exactly what happens there. But it should be a lot of fun. But anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. You can make sure and check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It has everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. do want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, tune in tomorrow as we keep going. Um, we're into a baseball season now as fan interest is going to start going up a little bit. We're going to talk about football on every show, show because that's exactly what we do. And we'll see what happens in this college basketball search because that is going to become the story three weeks from now. So we're going to talk about that leading up to that as well. So we will see you then.